Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. How many have been drinking for the last 30 minutes? Yes. And nobody's uh, drunk, right? Beautiful drink. We're working on it. We're drinking from the, um, the beauty of his presence. Thank you, worship team. Bless you for your rehearsal and your preparation of your hearts and preparation. Can we just show our appreciation to them? They're here before any one of us. They're setting up and getting ready to uh, be able to lead us. Do you know that the centerpiece of the church for so many years has been the pulpit? And Father has been working for a number of decades for, to have it shift from the pulpit to the throne. And that's why your shepherd in this house takes 30 to 40 minutes because the real centerpiece of this house is the throne of God. We come boldly before the throne and there we obtain grace. Anybody need some grace? <laughs> and we find mercy to help in the time of need. Isn't that awesome? To be able to just drink in and welcome Holy Spirit to do things in our life and to shift us. Last Sunday morning, I was in one of our Ripple churches up in Ajax. And uh, while there, I had such an encounter with God I, in the worship time. And um, the, these times, as you, the young adults and whoever else comes this Saturday night, in a very gracious way, make a demand on his anointing so that you can walk and continue to release his anointing. Remember, the anointing shifted from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It was once a substance, it's now a person. And he's got a name, it's called the Anointed One. And the beautiful thing about it is, I know many times poetically we want him coming down and doing all these kinds of things, but I sense that in a church like this, it's not about much coming down as much as releasing him from within us. Because everyone in this room is anointed. And so, release his anointing. That means to release his person. Because he is the holy and the anointed one. Amen? That's not in my notes. Good to be here. Good for Sharon and I to be here. I planned on being here for uh, quite a few uh, months, but at the same time, my brother passed. And so my dear brother Paul, uh, my closest brother, he went to be with Jesus. He, he went to bed after the Dallas Cowboys got beat <laughs> last Sunday night, and he did not wake up because he couldn't handle another defeat. <laughs> so he went right into the presence of God. And you know what? Here's a neat thing. My brother went to bed, set his alarm, but he never answered his alarm. It went off. And his wife woke up, said, Paul, get up. Paul, get up. And he got up right into the courts of God. So for those of you that came down to Brockville, to, uh, that's our birthplace, my birthplace, and uh, joined with us. And those that have prayed, thank you very much uh, for your care and concern for our family and all those things. When I come amongst you, I really do not have an agenda unless Kevin would say to me from time to time, 
Can when you come, would you just bring a word? And so I'll go before the Lord and I say, God, would you just give me a word and help me to whatever this body needs? Then could I be, would you let me in on what you'd like to say uh, to these people through uh, this vessel? Um, this year, I asked Kevin, you're moving, carrying right on uh, this whole thing about maybe have the first slide there that uh, living as kingdom sons and daughters. And so I partnered with you last November in that when I was here as well. And I've been listening online to your messages. And I love the New Year's messages on your New Year's resolution, just be a son. <laughs> Did anybody receive that? Amen. Yeah, because that, that's when we live as sons. It's, it's really not just about doing something on the 31st of December and breaking it on the 1st of January. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> We, we as sons in the kingdom, we, we keep our word, you know. We give our word to him, and he gives his word to us. Uh, how many here expect God to keep his word? I think he has kind of an expectation on his sons and daughters that we will keep our word as well. So as I, I went downstairs a couple of weeks ago, and I got before the Lord, and I said, Lord, what? Do you want to be served here on this Sunday morning? I haven't visited this subject matter in a, in a lot of years. And so I said, okay, God, I'll do that. And I, I would like to address some aspects of a, a word and a subject that has been so violated in present culture. And it's a word called loyalty. If you want loyalty... If you and I are going to function as kingdom sons and daughters, then he is looking for our loyalty. The spirit of divorce has hit our nation. And that spirit divides loyalty. Because when people are married, they enter into covenant. When you enter into covenant... The word covenant means to abandon the right to quit. So what we have is in the nature of God is a covenant-making God and a covenant-keeping God. How many are glad that he's that way? He's given us his word, he keeps his word. But the people of Israel, they had a tendency to continue to break covenant and he said oh backsliding Israel I'm committed to you so many times within the, the people of Israel there was the whole aspect of, of covenant breaking of giving their word and then not keeping their word and sometimes we as the people of God we become promise makers but not promise keepers. We become promise breakers. And I think if we are going to live as sons and daughters of the king advancing his kingdom, he's looking for people that will give him their word and keep their word. Basically, that's the difference between a sonship and the orphan spirit. Sons and daughters that are walking with him. We are people that in his presence 
that we live as kingdom sons and daughters. You can take note of the slides that will be up there from time to time. And um, kingdom sons and daughters, what a, what a great series to be working on. And I'd like to work on this whole aspect of the loyalty factor. What role does loyalty play in today's world? How is it defined? I'd like to talk to you today about three different levels of loyalty. And we'll get to that. Loyalty's highest form is not ever legislated. We go into the first deacon in the New Testament church. His name was Stephen. And Stephen had a relationship with God so much that he was willing to be stoned to death for his faith. You notice that he was not one of the apostles. He was not one of the 12 that was chosen, but rather he was an appointed one amongst the people of God. His responsibility was to look after the orphans and the widows. That's what deacons do. What a high responsibility that God gives to a deacon in the house of God. Must be full of the Holy Ghost, must be of honest report, and have favor with all the people amongst them. So to be a deacon in the house of God is not something that is chintzy. It's something that carries a great weight. It's like basically what you're doing at Grace Inn is you are caring, along with others, you are caring for the broken, the destitute, those that have made mistakes, those that have uh, slipped and fell, and those that do not know how to get up. So you, what you do is mobilize a ton of caring deacons. You say, oh, I thought they, all they do is deal with finance. I, I don't see that anywhere in the Scripture. The only thing they do is disperse funds to the widows and to the orphans and to those that were in need. And so when we begin to look at Stephen, he was so committed as a deacon in the New Testament church that he was willing to give up his life even unto death. While he is being stoned, the apostle Paul over here is holding his coat. Well, Stephen becomes a martyr, the first martyr of the New Testament church. It was not a fivefold ministry gift. What was one chosen from a body because he was loyal to his God. He was loyal to the people. He served the people of God. And I don't think we've seen yet the power of loyalty released through Christ's body that he wants to see released in this 21st century church that we are living in. The scripture goes on and says, in the midst of him being stoned, he ushered these uh, infamous words, lay not this sin to their charge. Almost the exact words that Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. So Stephen here is mirror imaging the very nature of Jesus Christ in the New Testament church. People that forgive quickly. People that do not hold on to grudges nor carry offenses. Stephen's message that day in the book of Acts, it was kind of a straight message. He like operated as a prophetic instrument in the hand of God and was willing to lay down his life. We go to Job in the Old Testament Scripture. Job, of course, is seen as the oldest manuscript regarding the Scripture. Probably if 
we were to position the book of Job, it should come before the book of Genesis. Because if you want to really get an understanding of Genesis, read Job, then read Genesis, then read Job again. And you're dealing with ancient manuscripts, you're dealing with things that happened in eternity past. Job, he went through everything. My goodness, he lost all of his kids, he lost everything. His wife said to him, you know, Job, it's not worth it, just curse God and die. How would you like to have that kind of an encouragement from your, your better half? It's not going so good. Job, just pack it all in, just curse God and die, get it over with. He drew down from somewhere deeper in his day, and he said, though God slay me, yet I'll be loyal to him. That's what it means. I'll be loyal to him. Just uh, working through my brother's death, my brother was a loyal man of God. <laughs> Just, I, I don't know what else to say, but he lived well. And he died better. But as a trusted, loyal man, I believe that the spirit of true sonship, we are the kind of people that can be built on because we are trustworthy, because we are people of our word, because we not only make promises, we keep promises. Amen? I just like to honor Wayne and Cheryl Levy. 50 years of covenant keeping. The Lord bless you. Yeah. And the Lord keep you. Bless you. And that's a great model for our culture. Bless you guys in your marriage and bless you in the next decade of your relationship together. May your covenant be sweeter and may your relationship be much better. I believe that the highest form of loyalty is based on love. There's no coercion. There's no manipulation. There's none of these things, but rather it is the outflow of us deeply loving one another and, of course, loving God. Let me give you some quotes about loyalty. It often consists of keeping a closer watch over the words we speak. It's to be faithful rather than famous. It's faithfulness, it's effort, and it's enthusiasm. It is common decency plus common sense. It's making yourself a part of something and making it a part of you. These are some things that people have written trying to, sometimes when we try to define words in the Scripture, I find myself moving from definition to description. And if we can take those 2D words, we can get a handle almost on any word in the Scripture. Try to define it, but then let's describe it. So when we begin to look at the description of what joy is, these are some of the things that I believe that uh, we probably would agree that need to be a part of today's culture. Let's look at some synonyms. You can just have a look at this with me. Number one, faithfulness and devotion allegiance and trustworthiness, constancy and reliability, fidelity and dependability, steadfastness. Would anyone here enjoy having that put on your tombstone? Wouldn't that be beautiful? 
Kevin Dowling was faithful and devoted. That's not too bad, is it? To have that said of us? I believe that Holy Spirit is wanting to maybe raise the bar in the house and say, come on. Come on, there's a place in me. Maybe you've never ventured. Maybe you've been a person that you've been very quick to promise, but very slow to fulfill. There's opportunity here and grace is here today to say, hey, we've made mistakes. We've done this. We've done that. We broke promises, but we have an opportunity to move out of that orphan way and behavior and step into that life of sonship. there for us subject of loyalty i remember how old is this subject and when i uh, came to the city here in 1976 yes i am that old 1976 i was a youth pastor come on now and um by the way if i was in town this saturday night i'd be here right you know okay yeah <laughs> uh, <clears throat> does anybody remember charles and esther ben it's about a week, a year ago today that we were here, we left, we drove up to uh, Ajax, and then we went on because my dear friend, Charles Kenneth Ben, good name, I help me out. <laughs> and uh, we worked together, we had a great relationship, but when we started out together, he's a pretty straight dude, and you know, he... He says to me, and he gets me, I come down for an interview, and he gets me in the car. He said, you know, when I interviewed you up there at that school, I wasn't really impressed with you. That's a good opening line, eh? <laughs> I said, well, you know, Pastor, I wasn't trying to impress you. I've never lived a life trying to impress people. I said, I wasn't trying to impress you. It's, this is who I am. This is who God is making. We are so impressionable. We are so image conscious. Much of what we do is from the outside in. This message is about inside out. Come on. It's inside out. He's wanting, he's wanting to refurbish. Refurbish us from the inside out. And so we're driving down the highway here. I think we're driving down Highway 2 on our way. I don't know down to Deserado or somewhere. And he said, you know, I want to talk to you about loyalty. I said, yes, sir, what would you like to talk about? Well, he, he starts talking to me about if you're going to be an assistant pastor and whatnot, you're going to be this, and you, you need to be loyal. And he looked around across at me sitting in the car, and he, he saw me smiling. And he said, well, why are you smiling? This isn't a funny subject. That was... Next line number two, right? <laughs> and then I said to him, I said, well, pastor, you'll never have to worry about me being disloyal. Well, he said, how can you be so sure of that? I said, because, now listen carefully, I did not learn loyalty in the house of God. I learned it in my home. May the Spirit of God ride upon those words. I watched my father 
be loyal to my mom. My dad loyal to his sons and daughters. Loyal to his church. Returned his tithes, brought his offerings. Sacrifice for building funds. Sacrifice for, for mission. I, I watched that. I watched him take us to the house of God. I watched him go to the house of God. I watched him to be the first to the altar. 22 years of my life. I had this loyal dad that was loyal to his family and his father and his brothers and sisters and loyal to my mom. Now, my mom was not the, the easiest person to live with. But he entered into covenant. Covenant means that we keep our word. We live in a covenant-breaking society. Those who keep covenant today will be an anomaly in a sense, but certainly will be an example. Loyalty is a very important factor in our journey and understanding what it means. Someone has said it's a hallmark of great leadership. Loyalty can be earned only when leaders put the welfare of their customers, speaking in business, and their partners ahead of their own self-serving interest. In the business paradigm, loyalty is the primary ingredient in eBay's secret sauce, so the quote says. Web-savvy leaders know that loyalty is an economic necessity. F. Reichheld says this, without the glue of loyalty, even the best designed e-business model will collapse. So loyalty is something that is very important in the business sector of our society. Let's have a look at this slide. Loyalty, the key to success in today's economy. Customer loyalty, employee loyalty, supplier loyalty. Whoops, excuse me. We'll get there back there in a second. Excuse me. Here we come. Have we, did we get there yet? Okay, let's try to go again. Run ahead of myself. Here it is. Customer loyalty, employee loyalty, supplier loyalty, investor loyalty. This author says some think that loyalty is irrelevant today. But if we are going to build anything, even in this unstable climate that we are living in, it goes right back to, if you own a business today, how loyal business leaders are you to your customers when you're desiring their loyalty back to you? How about those that are leading businesses? Are, are we loyal to our employees? Because certainly we want our employees to be loyal to us. We want them to show up. Any of you run businesses and you get ticked off at your suppliers? It's always easy to blame the supplier because they're never around. They're in another country or in another town or they're somewhere. It's a supplier. It's not in yet, man. It's not in yet, you know. And the next one here is investor loyalty. When I was here, 1976, the Holy Spirit said, Son, this is what you're going to be to me. 
You're going to lower your expectations on my people, and you're going to heighten your investment in my people. So from the loins of ministry in this city, I became a kingdom investor. So our whole life is about investing in the highest level of God's creation, and that's you. That's us. What a trip it's been for 50 years to invest in the most important commodity of life, the family of God, the kingdom of God, the church of Jesus Christ. What a wonderful trip to be able to make those kinds of deposits into people. Building loyalty has in fact become the acid test for leadership. Loyalty, says the author, is the gold standard for measuring the quality of a relationship. True loyalty endures through the best of times and the worst of times. Come on now. I love this. And it melds mutual interests into shared goals. Isn't that beautiful? Absolutely. The center of gravity for business loyalty is the personal integrity of the senior leadership team and its ability to put its principles into practice. How many love to have people practice what they preach? Who loves to have people practice what they preach? A couple of you. Hold the phone. How about we just preach what we practice and there won't be as much preaching? <laughs> so as this house is being led by your shepherds to, to live as kingdom sons and daughters, I think Holy Spirit is just saying, I want to remind you of something that's very basic, very essential, and something that's very necessary. Let's go on in this and we'll move into another dimension here. Consumer perspectives regarding loyalty. Three things that the consumer in a business paradigm looks for. Credibility, trust, and loyalty. No credibility, no trust, no loyalty. A quote taken from the book, The Butterfly Customer. What about that paradigm in the house of God? How do we gain credibility? As the people of God. By keeping our word. By giving our word, by keeping our word. That is how trust is delegated to those that predominantly are loyal in some way, shape, or form. So these three things, when there's no credibility, there's no trust and no loyalty. So I have to ask myself, am I a credible person? I remember in 1984, I was in Dallas, Texas, sitting at a round table. There's probably 10 or 12 leaders from around the world. I was asked to speak at this conference, and we're debriefing and having nachos and all those kinds of things. Nachos, that sounds good right about now. Does anybody like nachos? How'd I get there? Anyways, nachos, nachos. And uh, the guy looks across, he says a couple things to me. I don't know him from Adam. Not you, Adam, but I don't know him from Adam. And uh, he said, uh, Ken, you're from Canada, right? Yep. He said, I was in your session today. And he said, I think I have a word from the Lord for you. I said, what's that? He said, you need to return to Canada and you live in Toronto, right? I said, yes, I live in Toronto. He said, and you need to launch a network because God wants to birth a network of leadership through you and your nation. So I listened. I thought, 
interesting. And so I said, well, thank you very much for that word. I received that. And my response was to him, thank you very much, but I'm not ready to launch a network. I'm not mature enough. I have insufficient wisdom to lead other leaders. And he kind of looked at me. But I said, thank you for your word. And in God's time, maybe that will happen. And 20 years later, it happened. Because I needed to grow up. I needed to grow in. I needed to have God break a lot of things out of my person. I needed to be set free from things. I needed to be filled with other things. Where I lacked, I needed his impartation. I needed the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ so that I might know God the Father better. I needed all those things. And the next 20-year chapter was a pouring in through all kinds of situations that we walked through so that at this point in our journey that we might walk out this kind of a message and be loyal to my wife of 49 years and nine months. Be faithful to her. You know how it all works, eh? It's because you take that scripture, train up a wife in the way she should go, and when she's old, she won't depart from you, right? Help me out there, right? I mean, that's a pretty good... You can find that in the book of uh, Hezekiah 12 and 7. But I, I needed to grow up, and so even as I've stepped into working in the dimensions that I work today, recognizing that a church like this does not need a disloyal influence amongst them. Right? Right, Kev? But a loyal influence amongst them, and if, if we go that way, then we're all that way. You we are the best employees in this region. Right? And we're the best business owners because we know how to treat our employees and our customers. This works in every facet of life. You know, loyalty over the years uh, in the economic sense has come through coupons. When I was a boy, when I was preparing this, my, I went back to when I was a boy. Does anybody remember IGA? Who remembers that? Does anybody remember gold bond stamps? One, two, three, four. And we're dating ourselves. Mike even had his hand up. Can you believe that? But, you know, my mom used to shop every week at the grocery store. And then they gave her these stamps. And they had their book. And we'd be at home licking these stamps. And then she'd collect all these books. She said, Ken, if I get these many uh, books, I can get a set of cookware. I can get a coffee maker. Does anybody remember that kind of stuff? What they're trying to do is they wanted your loyalty, so they're giving you something in exchange. So when, you, when we look at this through the culture, does anybody still shop at Canadian Tire for Canadian Tire money? Okay, so what, what are they trying to do? In a sense, they're trying to buy our loyalty. How about Petrocan points? Maybe you don't. How, air miles. Reward, Safeway, Shell. How about Aeroplan? Rewards and flights. Wait till I get to the next slide. How about Bay Days? Does anybody want to get the Bay Days and HBC Rewards? 
Really, it's offering credit in many aspects to buy our loyalty. Does our loyalty have to be bought? Does someone have to do something for us to cause us to be loyal to them? Have we crossed over into the exchange of the cultural economy and brought it right into the house of God? I'll worship you, God, if you'll do something for me. Hello? I just worship you because of who you are. He doesn't have to do a thing for us. And there was an amen in the room, right? But he wants to do things for us. So let's just go on this, and we're, we're, making, we're making progress here this morning in this message. Loyalty programs. Now, this is a quote I picked up from the website a number of years ago regarding Aeroplan, Air Canada. After all, Aeroplan is the largest and most extensive frequent flyer program and leading loyalty program in Canada. And we're always on the lookout to bring you even more ways to increase your miles and enjoy the benefits. So come on in and have a dream. November 2003 on the Aeroplan website. So they're, they're wanting to increase our miles and our benefits. They're trying to do that. So in recent days, I, I went to work to find out about these uh, loyalty realities in 2004. Loyalty program, the best program and the best special feature in Canada. Travel rewards is number one with Aeroplan. To earn and redeem for flights. That's 2024. So they had an objective in 2003 to become this. Look at what the facts say. Next one, movies. The scene loyalty program. Free movie tickets and concessions. Vehicles and gas. Petrol points is number one after all these years. Savings on gas, car washes, and in-store purchases. Retail shopping, Hudson's Bay is still number one. Rewards, earn points and get deals at HBC. Groceries, more rewards. That's the whole cart. I got it in my pocket. How's that? Earn uh, uh, exclusive deals for British Columbia residents, but now it's bled over into Alberta. Credit card rewards, number one. AMX, membership rewards. Earn on all spend concierge service. Earn on all. So when we begin to look at every day, every time we use our credit card, it's connected to our loyalty to what we're purchasing. So I fly with Air Canada all the time. No opposition to other airlines, but I connect with that because I can collect points and they get my loyalty. They give me something and I give them something. I give them my money, they give me points, and I'm able to, uh, somebody needed to come to the funeral last week, so I took points and flew this one and flew that one because I had saved these points that I had got because of customer loyalty. Can you imagine in the house of God if we started living in our local churches as placed by the Holy Spirit? We're not church shoppers. We're not looking for other things, but... We said, you know what? Desert Stream is my home. God has placed me there, and I'm going to plug into this house, and I'm going to be loyal to it. I'm going to contribute to it. That becomes kind of a commitment in our life, to be loyal to the house, to be loyal to one another in the body of Christ. So let me start with the third level of loyalty where I opened up this message. Number one, it's the loyalty to a prize. 
So I'm starting at three, going to one. Three characters here. Number one, Balaam. Number two is Balak, and number three is God. Now, I'm not going to take time to tell you the story of Balak. But could I ask you to write this down? Could you write down Numbers 22, 23, 24, and 25? There's three, three and a half, four chapters given to this story. So something that has four chapters in it, there's something that God wants us to learn from this prophetic character called Balaam. And from God, and from Balak, who was the king of the Moabites. So you've got one's representing God, the other's representing the opposition to God, the people of Moab, and then there's God himself. So let's have, just have a look at Balaam, for instance. The scripture says, woe unto them that go the way of Balaam. Why does the scripture say that? What is the doctrine of going the way of Balaam? It's mentioned three distinct times in the New Testament. It's mentioned in the book of Revelation when it's a letter to the church. Well, Balaam, a prophet of Mesopotamia, was willing to use his God-given talents for illicit purposes. Even though he knew Balak was God's enemy, he tried to sell his prophetic gifts to help himself. When that didn't work, Balaam counseled Balak on the most effective way to weaken Israel. Does that sound like another story in the Bible? Getting canceled to weaken Samson? What's the secret of your strength? Well, if you just do this and do that, that'll be it. And they find out that you're lying to us. What in the little damsel says, come on, come on. What's the secret of your strength? And she's, you know, coming up and... Again, he fools her again because he was instructed not to share the secret of his strength. I am sharing with you the secret of our strength this morning. It's loyalty to God, to family, to one another in the body of Christ, to our children, children to their parents. Anyways, it goes on, just a little history. This was through seduction. Delilah, Samson, seduction. Garden of Eden, the propensity of all women is to be deceived. That's their weakness. The propensity in mankind, male, is to be seduced. Those two propensities come right from the fall. The propensity, why does a, a woman need to be covered by a man? Because the proneness is to be deceived, manipulated, and lied to. And the man is to be the covering. And if he stays in a covering relationship with his wife, he'll be not seduced by others. David had any woman that he wanted in his kingdom. But the lustful heart wanted something he wasn't to have. Another man's wife. His heart was after God. He was a good man. He had mowed down Goliath and done all those kinds of things, but... There were things lurking in his own heart, and he, I've read that story so many times, and I, I wondered why she was called Bathsheba. Well, it's because she was outside taking a bath. <laughs> Her name was Sheba, and she's having a bath, right? So he gets his binoculars out, and he's checking out the beauty from next door. Help me out here. Every day, men and women were tempted to be disloyal. Through the eye gate, through the ear gate, 
to the thought processes. David, I say this respectfully, he could have had anyone he wanted, but the lustful heart wanted another man's wife. You know the rest of that story. This was through seduction using Moabite and Midianite women to tempt the Israelites into sexual relationships and into pagan rituals. And the Israelites who participated brought God's judgment down upon themselves. But there was a prophetic figure in the midst of this that God chose to relate to. I can't tell you the four chapter story. It's too involved, but please read it. Read it in several translations. Let's go to this next slide. This is the attitude, the way of Balaam, that would be fully cooperative with the world and still serve God. That's the way of Balaam. The doctrine of Balaam teaches compromise, wanting Christians to forget they are called to be separate and holy. The doctrine of Balaam makes believers, ha, huh, when I was working on this, I, kind of, I was so overwhelmed. It makes believers indistinguishable from the unbelieving world. I go to Christian parties now, and I see as much alcohol in those parties that I would see in other parties. Like, where are we going? Is there any distinguishing between us and faith? What sets us apart? I'm overwhelmed. My wife and I go, hold the phone. What's going on here? Do we want to be indistinguishable? Or do we want to stand out and be different makers and cultures? Number one social ill in my nation is alcoholism. Why are we drinking like crazy believers? I appeal to you. It's the absence of the presence of the Spirit. Be not drunk with wine, wherein it's excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Why do we want to get so close? That little sin doesn't hurt, especially if there's some financial or personal benefit involved. The person following the doctrine of Balaam is willing to compromise his beliefs for the sake of economics. He acts to enable sinful behaviors for the personal gain or even participate in them. I'm, lots of, I hear a lot of messages preached. I'd like to suggest to you, I'd like to suggest to you, I'd like to suggest to you, people of God, we've got to move beyond suggestion. What does the Word of God say? It's not just a book of suggestions. It's a book of order. It's, it's, it's a book that... Uh, helps to establish boundaries for every one of us to be able to live a full and productive and a fruitful life. You say, Ken, you're just getting older. Okay, that's fine. I can handle that. But I see what's out there. I travel this planet and this nation and I'm going, we all want God in one hand. And we're not willing to sacrifice and give up other things. second level of loyalty moves from a prize to a person. This story is about David and his mighty men. I'll quickly run through this. You probably know the story. It's in 2 Samuel with David and his mighty men. And David was sitting in the setting was a cave of Adullam. 
And he was in there and the mighty men uh, that were around him, about 30 or so, they heard that their leader wanted a drink. It was a cry in David's heart, Oh, that I could have a drink from the wells of Bethlehem. So guess what? The loyal followers to him, like a mark to Kevin, Kevin needs a drink, and this guy would be out the door and have it and brought it back just that fast. That's what the men did. The mighty man went out and got it, brought it back. He couldn't handle the loyalty. They fought for their lives to get a drink of water for their leader. And they, they, risked, they risked everything to get him some water. I asked myself the question, I'm not sure if I'd be willing to do that. But they did, and they brought it back, and then David couldn't handle the loyalty. That's what I have to do many times when people honor us, my wife and I. I have to do this next step. I have to take what you give to me and give to us and pour it back out as a drink offering to God. And that's what David did. Because there's times where honor comes our way that we have to take that honor And when your back is turned, it gives me an opportunity to say thank you, Jesus. And say thank you, helping me to be a loyal man. There's one thing I want to be is loyal to his word. I've had this insatiable desire to be loyal to the word, the covenant of scripture. To preach the truth in season and out of season. Compromise today has become an art form. It's really, it's really the dominant political spirit. The whole realm of politics operates in compromise. That's where it has, and that's where it gravitates to. So we, um, we can end, it, end up in that place very easy. So this is what he did. He poured out that drink offering. Let's go to the first level of loyalty. We're going to go to a principle. So we've started with a prize, we've gone to a person, we're now going to a, a principle. We'll just get through this and I'm almost done. You say, yeah, I believe you and I hear it, see it. <laughs> to a, is this helping anybody today? Yeah. Yeah, I just need, is it helping one person? Yeah. Well, the person in the back row, thank you. <laughs> At the age of 12, Jesus knew what he was about. He must be about his father's business. That business was a revealed principle. Nothing would keep Jesus from this noble purpose. No Gethsemane, no cross, no mocking, no stripes, no spit, no cursing, no crown of thorns, no nails in hand or feet, and no spear in the side could keep him from being loyal to his father. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He knew what his journey was about. And you and I are Jesus' followers. And so if we can move from loyalty to prizes and loyalty to persons, which is important. And of all of us, if we are going to be sons and daughters of the kingdom, we understand this principle. And we follow Jesus up close and personal. Is there an amen in the room? Amen. Listen to this scripture. Could we read this scripture together? One, two, three, everybody out loud. To this end was I born, 
And for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness of that truth. This cause was to die for the cause of sin. He did it, the epitome of loyalty. It is finished, he said to his father on the cross. Completely loyal. It's purpose and principle that gives man the highest level of loyalty. So as we as sons and daughters in this house are seeking to expand and extend the kingdom of God, there is a loyalty factor that I believe that is essential to everything that we are becoming. The practice of loyalty, what will it do for us? It assures spiritual enlargement of heart and of spirit. Loyal people are candidates for spiritual blessing. Because the bedrock of society, the home, has been fragmented and fractured, we cannot assume that loyalty is a given. Loyalty must be taught and it must be modeled. What a delight to have the honor of speaking at my brother's celebration of life. And I could talk about him being loyal right to the end. Is that what we want to be? Because many start the race, they fall off the race, they don't finish the race. But you and I have that opportunity. The disloyalty factor, how does disloyalty happen in our hearts? Never usually ever intended or planned. We get caught off guard or we get trapped. It's the work of the enemy to deceive us, the same thing that worked with Balaam, in the way of Balaam, deception, seduction. Disloyalty is usually progressive and not instantaneous. It begins in the heart and the mind of man and comes out in our attitudes and our actions. And today I believe that Holy Spirit is wanting to raise the levels of loyalty in our heart to one another and to the Lord Jesus himself. What are the eternal results of loyalty? Thank you for asking. To him that overcomes, I will give to sit with me on my throne just as I overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. Seven promises to seven churches to those of us that overcome. Anybody interested in overcoming? In overcoming. Seven promises, the same promise to the seven churches. To him that overcome, to him that will be loyal to the end, I will give the right to sit with me in his throne just as I overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. I submit this message to you this morning in the love of God and in the fear of God. Could it be said of Desert Stream, they're the most loyal people in Ontario. And people say, how do you know that? Because they're so loyal to their God. Whatever God's asking them to do, they're just willing to do. Right? How many like that to be said of you? And you know, they're just so incredibly loyal to one another. <laughs> they, just, they just full on love one another. Can you believe it? Can you, can you believe it? Can you imagine that no disloyalty in the house? Oh, you say, can you? It's a figment of your imagination. You're on steroids or you're fantasy island. Well, there's a, there's a loyalty factor in the kingdom. While I was standing in worship today, I'm not sure if I had a word of knowledge or not, but I, I'm going to throw this out. Anyone here 
you're in the process of wanting to leave your spouse. You're entertaining those thoughts of departing. May I appeal to you this morning as a father for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of your family, for the sake of your marriage, get help. Fall down on your face before God. Is anybody here you're planning on packing your journey in with God the Father? Or anybody watching this morning? There's a call already earlier to the prodigal. I issue a second call. Don't do it. Run towards him. Don't run away from him. Get closer. Let's, let's get closer to him. We're not finished the end of our life yet, my wife and I. Hopefully we have a lot of living to do, but I'm not sure, right? We don't know. But I don't know about you, but I want to be loyal to the end. Any, anyone else with me? If you're there with me, Stand to your feet, raise your hands above your head as high as you can raise them. Say, that's me. Loyal right to the end. So, Father, take this message you asked me to present. Yes, I serve it now into the body of Desert Stream and to those that are watching. I issue a call in the spirit and then loyal to one another. Let the weight of your presence rest upon us. Work in us deeply. Father, today, if there's any repentance that needs to happen, I pray that you would grant to us the gift of repentance and you would show your kindness towards us and we would repent of where we have been misled, gone astray. And that you would, Father, come and work the depth of loyalty into the core of our being. In Jesus' name. Fathers and sons. With God's help, we seek to live his illustrations. Imperfect, but made perfect by the blood of Jesus Christ. Helping a bunch of imperfect people find perfection in Christ. That's our challenge. So that you can go back into an imperfect world with the perfect love of Christ on the inside and bring those that are imperfect out of their imperfection into the perfective light of Christ. I bless you and Cherry today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we just stretch forth your hands to...
your servant leaders today. Bless, bless them today. Bless them as they parent this house. May this house thrive in safety because of the shepherds that work together. Let there be loyalty. Mark, would you come? Mark and Trevina, would you come? Barry, would you come? Tammy, would you come? As there is loyalty at this level, one to another, I don't know if I'm missing anybody, if they are, just shout. But I pray that there'll be loyalty at this level. Can you all stretch forth your hands? That, God, that you would bring this family closer together than they've ever been. And Rhonda with the children. Mm-hmm. We stretch forth our hands to them and we say thank you. Thank you for the years that Mark has been loyal to his wife Katrina. Mm-hmm. And Kevin to Sherry and vice versa. Mark and Rhonda. Mm-hmm. And Barry and Tammy, thank you for the illustrations in this house. I thank you, Father, that you want this to be because it's to be an illustration of who you are. And I pray that these guys will keep covenant with one another Mm -hmm. as long as they live. Mm -hmm. I pray you would grace them to serve this body in such love and affection. It'll be the gold standard. Mm -hmm. Lay my hands upon them today and I speak a blessing over them. Thank you, Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you agree with that, can you say amen? Amen. 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 Do you receive that word this morning? Amen. amen. Father, we just thank you for this message today. And loyalty. And Father, this isn't a message about how we've failed in the past. This is a message about who we are today and where we're going to in the future. That Father, we make a, a pledge and, a, and an agreement in the Spirit with you that, Lord, that this from this day forward, we will do everything that we can to live out the power of this word. Father, you've not come into this world to bring condemnation, but to bring life and life and liberty and power, and it comes through walking in obedience to your word. And so, Father, today we just, uh, again, as Ken has just led us, we commit to that standard today. Father, we just pray favor over the house as we learn and we grow in walking in that kind of covenant love with you where we walk out loyalty to your presence. And Father, we pray, God, that, uh, Lord, as we gather together this week, and even as we get together on Saturday night, that, Lord, that we would have a supernatural encounter with you, Lord, that would cause us to turn our attention to you and turn our attention to your word, and, Father, to see that made manifest in our life. And, Father, we thank you for that today. Lord, bless every life. Father, the, the children, everyone as they go this morning, those watching online, may the blessing and the favor of the Lord be upon you, and we look forward to seeing you again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. And, uh, oh, yeah, don't forget, there's prayer also Tuesday night. 
and become pray for Saturday night. So we have uh, an agenda there, and uh, we want to just release you to do that. Bless you. Have an amazing week, and we will see you uh, this week.